We're talking earnings this week on the Consumer Goods Edition of Where the Money Is. Welcome to the show's Fools, and of course, welcome Sean. How are you, Nathan? I'm doing good. We're talking earnings today, huh? Yep. So there were three that we want to focus on today. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. So starting this, off with the good. This is the trifecta of American consumerism. <laughs> um, it's debatable about who's the good and who's the bad and who's the ugly. I can obviously argue in favor of what I chose, but in any case, the good, believe it or not, is actually McDonald's, and it's not because the stock price is down the least out of the three that we're covering today, but it's mostly because they beat earnings expectations. They obviously lost on revenues, um, which is why none of these guys are doing particularly well, but they're the first company we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So what was actually different in the pro- the report. Yeah, so they were expected to earn $1.37 per share. They came in at $1.09 on a gap basis, but that included $0.42 cents per share on one-time items. Um, I think one of the biggest components was like $0.30 cents per share worth of tax adjustments and everything. So mm-hmm. uh, technically it was a beat if you, you know, kind of had a nod and a wink to the uh, gap earnings. Um, unfortunately, and this is really kind of what stuck out to me, revenue fell. Uh, to $6.987 billion from $7.3 billion in the same quarter last year. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, not looking so hot over at uh, the Golden Arches. So is it something that is a change of the business? I mean, they beat they beat on the quarterly guidance. Right. Do you think it's something that's really, the, the business is improving, or is this just a short-term this, fluctuation? I think of this as a continuation of what's been going on, because on one hand, shareholders of, uh, of McDonald's have an awesome dividend. Like this is like they 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 just upped it earlier the last month I think to eighty five cents or something, so the yield's like three three and a half percent right now. That's awesome. They continue to buy back stocks, so they keep returning this cash to shareholders because, unfortunately, they see the writing on the wall and their ability to invest that cash in operations and make more money is not so hot. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, you've got this awesome cash generation because it is still one of the great American brands. Um, but on the other hand, you've got declining revenue because of competition with uh, Chipotle's of the world and Panera's and all that stuff. So long term, it's very bad. But mm. right now, I don't know, you've got a good dividend and cash flow. And <laughs> Still not a bad company. No, not a bad mm. company. Um, it's. I don't want to compare it to like... Somebody's going to yell at me for this. I don't want to compare it to like a tobacco company or something. Mm-hmm. But there's this trend where you've got a secular trend away from the company. They. They they have a better prospect of turning it around than a tobacco company, but um, they need to either change their business model or just get people in the door again somehow. Mm-hmm. Interesting, you said they're losing to Chipotle. It's so funny that they used to own Chipotle too. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, for our listeners that uh, haven't guessed it yet, the bad in our list is actually Chipotle. And uh, for those of you that have been following uh, this company for a long time, um, Motley Fly, I believe, owns shares in Chipotle. It's one of our picks. It's obviously a great business. Um, it's profit margins. You know, you and I were talking earlier, their profit margins as a restaurant are astronomical. Um, they came out with earnings today, and the results for this quarter were amazing. Like, absolutely gangbusters. High teens awesome. comps. Yeah, like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. Revenue increased 31.1% to $1.08 billion. Comparable restaurant sales increased 19.8%. So a restaurant, a Chipotle restaurant that's been open at least a year this quarter had 19.8% more sales than the same quarter last year. Mm-hmm. This has been an ongoing trend. Unfortunately, that leads us into the problem. Um, 
Outlook for 2014, management expects the following, 180 to 195 new restaurant earnings for the whole year, and mid-teens comparable restaurant sales, the 19.88% that I just mentioned is included in that. The problem is next year. They're going to open up a similar number of restaurants, 190 to 205, but a low to mid-single digit comparable restaurant sales increase. Mm -hmm. We haven't heard that from Chipotle in a long time. Yeah. How do, I mean, backing it up to McDonald's, where they're either negative or flat comps. Right. Do you think this is a negative indication for the stockholders? or? It's a, I mean, it's kind of what I said last time, months ago that we last talked about Chipotle, but I said, I mean, eventually they can only fit so many buys into one restaurant. They're not going to be able to keep up this 15% comparable store sales increase every year. Um, I think that. As time goes on, it will start to normalize, but this is kind of an awakening. Is this bad for shareholders? Obviously, the stock sold off 6%, so it's not good. Hmm. But um, there's still, I mean, if you want comparable store sales growth and possibility to open more and more stores, I don't know. Chipotle is kind of the only game in town right yeah. now. And as we see it, share prices down as we speak. $37. Oof. Yeah, not on a, a $600 stock. Yeah, yeah almost 6%. So yeah. very interesting day for shareholders. You you and I had an interesting conversation about the storyline. I did want yeah. to share it with our readers. You kind of had this view that they can pretty much keep churning out 5%, 10% comparable store sales for a lot longer than people think they could. I think, yeah, I, I do agree with that. And it comes down to a lot of... You really want a breakfast burrito from them, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who knows if breakfast know, is, yeah, is an option down the road. But it's surprising when you look over the long term for many companies, even if you back it up to the tech sector, how they're able to become more efficient than what anyone would have perceived they could right. have been. So you look at it... You, know, you could probably go, sorry to interrupt, mm. you could probably go to a McDonald's shareholders, you know, right after the IPO in the 60s or 1970s or something. That was before. I mean, McDonald's gets a lot of business from breakfast. And yeah. if you said, oh, yeah, a big chunk of your business one day, breakfast. Yeah. They would have said you're nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it potentially could be an option. We're right. purely speculating here. And I'm not here. saying Chipotle is going to do this. But yeah. It's just, it's, it's weird to think about, but had you said that to somebody in the 1970s, the McDonald's shareholder, they'd be like, yeah, no way. We're, yeah. we're burgers and fries, baby, and that's it. But, I mean, they certainly could become more efficient, and that's what, during their highest dollar hours, going to be during lunch, during dinner, right. of course. You know, if they can get more bodies through, those comps can continue to move. We also have to look at um, the pricing power aspect of it. Right. So the company had because such great have, comps. They have been pr they have proven their ability to just raise prices, and they they yep. up the price for steak, and that's that's my range from golden. There is the steak burrito bowl, and yep. uh, I I don't care. I just pay it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that that's a powerful, powerful component, powerful driver. Which if you look at the other fast food restaurants, none of them have it. Well, they can't even get away from the dollar menu. What was that menu. report that came out a couple months ago? Franchisees and McDonald's hate the dollar menu because it yeah, it's a little margin money. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean Wendy's has had the same problem as well for for, sure. for years. Very so. very cool. Yeah, but let's get to uh, I ugly. guess the uh, the ugliest the of ugly. the ugly. So worse than a six percent decline in shares. What what's what's so ugly? Uh, Warren Buffett's favorite company, Coca Cola. Coke. Oh, very sad. Um, for our listeners that don't know, the Oracle of Omaha owns, I think, 200 million shares that he bought in the late 80s and a few more shares in the early 90s. Um, it's worth, oh, I don't know, $10 billion, $12 billion, something. Um, anyway, stock's down 6%. I think it's their worst share price performance since the Great Recession or something like that. Mm. Um, anyway, 
Global volume growth, uh, just 1% for the quarter and 2% year-to-date. Um, reported net revenues that were even in the quarter and de declined 2% year-to-date. So nine months of this year, not so hot compared to last year. Um, global unit case volume grew 1% in the quarter and 2% year-to-date. Um, this was the real problem. Third quarter earnings per share dropped to 48 cents, which is a decline of 13% over uh, previous year's 53 cents. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you, know, you read about Warren Buffett and all his investments and, you know, just start reading this stuff 10 years ago like I did, and you, it, Coke's like held up as the automatic name brand consumer yep. monopoly that'll just grow forever and all this stuff, and you see these numbers, and it's like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's pretty much why it's selling off, because it's kind of like, okay, where are we going with this soda? Can they actually keep growing, keep up this earnings per share growth, or are we going down the path of a McDonald's-type situation? Mm. I understand there's a little bit of currency effects Right, earnings numbers. They operate well. in so many countries, and this does again speak to the um, uh, the power of the Coke brand and everything. I actually, they operate in so many com uh, countries that I went to a um, the World Coke Museum when I was like in my teens <laughs> or something in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's just huge monument to the all that is Coca Cola. And this video, and a reporter was talking about how they went to like the middle of the Amazon rainforest or something. They wanted to find a place that didn't have Coke. And uh, they wander through the rainforest. They find a uh, local boy running around. He has very tattered shoes or whatever. And the guy just says the words Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. The boy smiles at him, puts down his backpack, takes out a bottle of Coke, one of the glass bottles of Coke in it. And he's like, wow. The same video had like a Coke delivery truck going by the pyramids of Giza. So moral of the story, I think they, they operate in like over 100 countries. Like this is a huge, and they have to deal with all these currency fluctuations mm -hmm. every year. And sometimes it works in their favor, and sometimes it works against them. In this case, it worked against them. <laughs> yeah. What do you think shareholders should pay attention to? Um, they should be paying attention. Coke's really a global brand. Um, we'll probably be coming out with uh, some content around this idea in the future, but Coke and Pepsi, to the Pepsi's credit as well, are um, two of the leading brands in um, Asia, like China. Um, so they, they, it's a very much a global story, and the fact that uh, global unit growth is still clocking at you know one or two percent globally, if that keeps up long term, they'll probably be okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, appreciate your insights. No problem. Yeah. Before we head out, um, you know, we did want to talk to you a little bit about our mission at the Motley Fool, which is to help the world invest better, and we do do that in a lot of ways, including this podcast and the video and the articles we also publish on Fool.com and through investing services like Motley Fool Stock Advisor. And this is our flagship service run by T David and Tom Gardner. And over the past 12 years, it has more than tripled the market's return. And it's the best way to get started investing. We've got a special deal for our Where the Money Is listeners. And you can go to wtmi.fool.com. Well, for Sean O'Reilly, I'm Nathan Hamilton. Thanks for listening, fools.